Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you take care of us, you meet our needs. And Father, we thank you for the great privilege it is to serve you. And we uh, thank you for the help that you give us along life's road. And many parts of our lives are difficult and challenging. And you very purposefully bring us to hard things, not because you want to destroy us, not because you enjoy the pain and suffering we experience, but because you have good purposes and bigger plans and the pain and suffering is a necessary step for growth. We thank you that you love us enough to do that, to bring us through hard things, to turn our eyes to you and to depend on you instead of ourselves and to love the world to come instead of this present world. And we pray that you would encourage us as we look at the scriptures to once again be reminded to be faithful to you. And I thank you for Ambassador Baptist Church and pray that you would guide them in the coming days and weeks and months and years, help them to remain faithful to you, continue to stand for you and continue to reach those in this community and around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray for your help and blessing in our concluding service this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's go ahead and read uh, Jude 20 and 21, where we read that Jude says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. So a very short passage, and um, I want to challenge you with this, and, and thinking about this really as our last Sunday night. So next Sunday is going to be Easter Sunday, so the focus with the passage that we'll be looking at, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians, the end of chapter 5, where it talks about uh, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. It's going to be a very evangelistically focused message. So really this is my last chance to speak to you as a congregation. And so I wanted to challenge you with this passage here in Jude 20 and 21. But um, in our day and age, I'm not sure how much you're aware because you've had a pastor, a few pastors who have faithfully exposed the scriptures to you and taught you from the scriptures. Um, I'm not sure you, how aware you are of this, but there are a number of churches in our extended circles that have emphasized the theological principle of eternal security, that once saved, always saved. Um, but they've sometimes emphasized this true principle in a way that's not really biblically accurate. And, and what I mean is, in some churches, there's such an emphasis upon walking somebody through a prayer that they give people false assurance of salvation. That um, people are led to believe they just walk through a prayer. doesn't matter what the rest of your life is like. You, you just prayed this prayer, and so you're good forever. Now, if somebody is truly saved, it is true that they will not be lost. But... The scriptures teach clearly that if there is life, there will be produce, there will be a product, there will be fruit 
If there is genuine spiritual life in a person, if the Holy Spirit abides in someone, that will result in some changes in their life, some spiritual growth. So with that in mind, the scriptures teach the concept of the perseverance of the saints. That is, if you've truly come to know Christ, you're going to continue to grow and live for him throughout your life. Someone who truly knows Christ won't ultimately and forever forsake him and turn away and be lost. They're, they're going to continue to serve the Lord. It doesn't mean it will be perfection or it will always be an upward growth. No, there will be patterns of down, uh, downward spirals or things where we're, times where we're discouraged and things like that. But ultimately, those who truly know Christ will continue in the faith. And Jude here in 20 and 21 has a message of a very similar nature to what we've seen in James about this concept of perseverance. So if you look with me again at 20 and 21, I want to point out in, in this, these two verses, there's actually only one command found in this verse. Uh, on the surface, it might look like there's three or four, but actually there's just one. The one command is found in verse 21 where it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. So the first point we have today is that we need to persevere in God's love or the love of God. So this is the only command in these two verses. And it's the command here that's translated keep or the idea is that of persevere, continue to keep on in this way. And the other three phrases we find in this section are actually modifying this command, describing the means by which we do that. So the command here is to keep yourselves in the love of God. But I want you to notice that it's believers that are in focus here. It starts by saying, but you, beloved, which is a, an acknowledgement that Jane, or Jude is here focused on believers. So he's talking to believers and giving them a command to remain in or to abide in God's love. Not get into the love of God, but to stay in the love of God. Now, a question we might ask is, what does love of God mean? That could be taken multiple ways. Does that mean love for God? That we're the ones loving God, we need to continue to build up our love for God, or keep ourselves in God's love. What does it mean? Well, I, I would like you to look with me at John 15, because John 15, I think, is a parallel idea to what we see here in Jude. We're going to come back to Jude, but if you'll turn with me over to John 15, we'll look at some verses there, I think, build upon the same idea and help us understand. John 15, of course, Jesus is talking to the disciples that he was about to leave and explaining what they need to do and how the Holy Spirit was going to be with them and help them. And he talks here in 15 about abiding in the vine. But look at uh, verses 7 through 10 with me. He says here, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So, I would assert to you what we see in Jude, love of God means God's love for us or God's love for you. So the idea of abiding in it or keeping yourselves in the love of God, therefore, is the discipline of abiding in God's love, which is here described as keeping his commandments. Keeping his commandments include the two primary, the greatest commandments that Jesus described. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So... The focus, though, in John 15, if you look at verses 12 and 13, the focus he brings up here is loving fellow believers. Notice he says here, This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that you lay down his life for his friends. So, Jude, I believe, is talking about the same concept we see here in John 15, the love of God referring to God's love for you, and we abide in God's love by keeping his commandments, by loving God and loving one another. And ultimately, therefore, the demonstration that we are abiding in God's love will be fruit produced in our lives, spiritual fruit produced in our lives. So that would, would include the fruit of the Spirit, like we see in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The, the fruit of love and joy and peace and long-suffering, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, right? These are demonstrations of the Spirit of God's work in our lives. So that is what I believe he is talking about here, about keeping ourselves in the love of God. So essentially he's saying continue to focus upon keeping God's commandments. That is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself with a special understanding that as the family of God, the church, we are to have a special love for our fellow believers. So you might ask, and it'd be a logical question, isn't it God who preserves us in salvation? If God preserves us in salvation, why do we need to focus on keeping ourselves, right? Because if we're genuinely saved, won't that just all work out? Well, the way that God preserves us, or a way that God preserves us, is by challenging us to obey. So we also have personal responsibility. Understand that we don't earn salvation and ultimately we don't maintain it, but we do have a responsibility to walk in obedience. There is personal responsibility. Notice back in Jude how the command here in verse 21, he says, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves. So, yes, ultimately we understand God secures us, but we also have personal responsibility to walk with God, to be obedient to God. And like we talked about in the book of James, there is a necessary demonstration 
in the believer's life of a genuine faith. A genuine faith will result in works. We are personally responsible and have an obligation to obey God, live for him, demonstrate our faith by our works. Our works don't save us, but they are a demonstration that we have a regenerate heart. So here he is giving a very similar challenge to what we've already seen in James. So thinking about these things in application for you, like I said, next Sunday is going to be an evangelistically focused message. So um, I wanted to really challenge you to think about these things. You need to make sure you keep yourselves in the love of God. You need to persevere in the love of God. You need to abide in God's love. You need to obey the commandment to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. You need to be committed to personally walking with him and living for him. You are in a state in which you don't have a pastor. That is a state at times that can be a challenge for churches because it becomes a, a way for people to drift away, to, to walk away. But I urge you to continue to be faithful, to keep yourselves in the love of God, to continue to faithfully live for him and serve him with your lives. Whether it's going to be two weeks or two months or two years before he provides you with that next under-shepherd, you need to keep yourselves in the love of God. You, as an individual, need to walk with God. So he gives us here the command to love, keep ourselves in the love of God, but he also then goes on in the next three phrases to explain how we do that. So how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? You're, perhaps you're saying, all right, all right, I get it, I'm ready, what do I do? Well, he tells us, he gives us three phrases. What do you need to do? First one is in verse 20. He says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Well, what does that mean? What is the most holy faith? Well, I think Colossians 2.7 may help us understand. Um, if you turn with me to Colossians 2.7... We'll be back here in June in just a moment. But if you look at Colossians 2.7, I think this is a use similar to his term, the faith, or most holy faith, that will help us understand what he's referring to. So is he basically saying you just need to keep on believing? Or what is he saying? He, I think he helps. We're helped by Colossians 2.7. It says, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed overflowing with gratitude and i guess the key phrase to help us put this together is just as you were instructed so the faith here isn't just your believing the faith is the content of what you're believing so often it's used in the epistles especially where the apostles talk about handing on the faith. And, and what they're talking about is the truth that we believe. So 
It's associated with our own belief, but the idea is the basis of our belief. It's the Word of God. So building yourselves up in the Word of God. That's what he's talking about. How do we build ourselves up in it? Well, it means we've got to be hearing the Word of God. What does Romans ten seventeen tell us? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So to continue to build ourselves up means to continue to be in the Scriptures. So I know it's a Sunday afternoon. For many of you, it's the, the third message you're hearing today. So I know I'm speaking to the faithful crowd. But the challenge, I think, as we, as we look at this, is we need to remember the urgent need we all have to hear the word of God. We need this time of hearing the word of God because it reminds us of what we need to believe and it encourages us to continue to trust in the Lord and we are strengthened by hearing the preaching of the word of God. But it also, we should understand this means individually. We individually need to be building ourselves up. Again, personal responsibility here. We need to be in the Word individually. What are some activities that might do that? Bible reading, Bible study, memorization, meditation, hearing preaching, admonition between believers. We may not think about that, but that's an important part of, as well of being built up in our faith. Or the faith is being admonished by other believers. We are to provoke one another to love and good works. And in order to do that, we need to continue to be meeting together so that we're able to challenge and encourage one another with the word. So we need to continue to be in the word both personally and corporately. Otherwise, we're not going to grow. We're not going to continue to build ourselves up in the most holy faith. Um, we understand the basic principle here. Even our little children's songs help reinforce the principle, right? You heard the song. Forget your Bible, neglect to pray, and you'll shrink, 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 right? Read your Bible and pray every day and you'll grow 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 basic concept we get it right that's what we need to do we need to be in the word as another illustration of failing to get the proper nutrition i i actually had a coworker one time who in college basically lived on ramen noodles now if you're at all familiar with ramen noodles they're very inexpensive right in fact i i had seen on one of these Facebook memes one time, it showed a crash of a ramen noodle truck, like just the truck destroyed and ramen noodles are everywhere. And it says, total damage to the company, $12. <laughs> right. Ramen noodles are very inexpensive. Well, I had a coworker who while in college, apparently was on a really, really tight budget. And so he basically ate ramen noodles all the time. He came down with a disease. Do you know what he got? Scurvy. He came down with scurvy, which is normally what pirates would get on ships because they didn't have any oranges, vitamin C, right? This man living on ramen noodles alone in modern America 
got scurvy because he didn't have the proper nutrition. Well, that's what we're talking about here in Jude is to remain in the love of God. It is essential that we have the word of God. We need it for our daily nutrition. We must continue to build ourselves up in the word of God. But we must remember that it is not. The, the picture of New Testament Christianity is never Lone Ranger Christianity. It's never just an individual go, goes and does whatever they want on their own, seeking the Lord. It's just them and the Lord. That is not biblical Christianity. Who did Jesus Christ die for? The church, right? We, as a body, need to help one another. We need to build up one another in the word. It is not just an individual assignment. We do need to have personal responsibility, but we also have corporate responsibility. We need to continue to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Secondly, the second way he describes that we keep ourselves in the love of God is by praying in the Spirit. Look at verse 20, where he says, praying in the Holy Spirit. So it only makes sense to us, does it not, that constant communication with God, which is what prayer is, is essential to keeping ourselves in the love of God. If we're going to love God, we need to spend time with him. If, if we're going to keep ourselves in his love, we need to spend time with him. We need to have frequent contact. We need to have faithful communication. I'm going to pick on uh, Brother Bob here. If you were in Sunday school last week, Remember, Bob talked about a communication problem. Do you remember that? So Bob talked about a communication where there was a communication with, with Kim where um, Kim could tell something was on Bob's mind, and, and so he wasn't at his normal talkative self with her, right? Now, they talked about it, and, they, and he explained, and they, they, they worked it out, right? That's part of a normal, healthy relationship. What if Bob refused to talk about it? What would have happened if Bob just, eh, nothing, or just acted like it was no big deal and, and just continued not to talk? It would, it, it would harm the relationship, right? It's normal in relationships. We have to communicate. That's what prayer is. We're communicating with God. So in order to keep ourselves in the love of God, we must be talking with God. And... It is also an expression of our dependence on him. When we don't pray, it's often because we don't think we need his help. Or we can handle it. My, I don't know how many of you know this. Hopefully this doesn't come as a shock. But um, Joanne and I were married in 2006. I actually was married before. My first wife died in 2004. But... I remember, and the reason I mention that is because my first wife talked about, her, her dad was a pastor, and she talked about how growing up, often she would get frustrated with her dad because as a little girl, she needed his help with something, and she could tell that he saw that she needed help, but he wouldn't help her. And what she learned was her dad didn't want to step in and help until she learned to ask for help. And it was part of how he was trying to teach her, number one, to be humble, but also to learn about prayer. 
In the same way, we sometimes go about the struggles of our life all frustrated, trying to work things out. It's not working out. And we simply need to turn to God. Ask him. We need to keep ourselves in the love of God by praying. We need to be in communication with God. We need to ask him when we need him, which is, frankly, all the time. We just think often we don't, but we do. And I think the idea of praying in the spirit in this sense is praying in agreement with the will of God um, being in alignment with the spirit of God about the things which you're praying for so it's not just a selfishly guided prayer list just to get all these great and glorious things for yourself but it's prayer under the guidance and direction of the spirit so that God's will is accomplished that's real prayer And that should be a part of our daily, moment-by-moment existence. We need to keep ourselves in the love of God by praying in the Spirit. So not only do we need to be in the Word and in prayer, we also need to be, thirdly, looking for the Spirit's or the Savior's return. Verse 21. It ends very similar to what we did this morning. It says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. There should be an eager anticipation looking forward to the coming of our Lord and Savior. Now, I have to tell you, there was a little, there's a little tension point with this verse. Do you notice what word is used to translate this and explain our waiting for the Lord? It says the word here, anxiously, waiting anxiously. Now, there's been this uh, tension in our household that that word anxious is often misused in the English language. There's two words that are very similar. One of them is eager, and one of them is anxious. Do Do you understand the difference? Anxious, according to one member of our household, often has with it a negative connotation of being nervous or worried, like there's something wrong or you're concerned a bad thing's going to happen, right? That's anxious, and I believe that's correct. Eager has the idea that we're looking forward to something we can't wait for, but many times people say, like they're going on a trip, you know, they're taking a trip down south, somewhere warm. I am so anxious for my trip. Well, probably the better word is eager. You're eager, right? You're looking forward to it. You're excited about it. It's not that you're worried about it. Well, so the, 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 the problem then here, we, we really think it's the translators that uh, translated with the, with the wrong word. I know that can sound bad, but I looked at the Greek. And I do not see a word that means anxious here. I think they just added that along with the waiting. There is a waiting, but I think the better explanation of that is eager. We are looking forward to the Lord's coming. It is a thing that we greatly anticipate with joy. We're excited about it. We can't wait for it to get here. Imagine telling young children that they're going to have a trip to go to Florida. A few, few, uh, year or two ago, I, my, my, uh, my mom and sister planned a trip to go down to Florida because my sister had a medical conference down there, and they decided to take our three young children with them. And we told our children about that coming trip. 
Do you know what it was like in her house for a week or two before that trip? They were so excited. They couldn't wait to go on the trip. They were looking forward to Disney World and all those rides and candy and pop everywhere, right? And all these glorious things. They were so excited. Well, but that's the idea. That should be our attitude about the coming of the Savior. We're eagerly waiting for it. And he says what's going to happen is it's going to be mercy. It's an interesting word choice here. We are waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, as a heavenly father, knows that we're going through hard times. He knows it's rough. He knows that life is hard. And his coming is going to be merciful to his children to rescue us from all this hardship and difficulty and to clothe us with our new uh, bodies and to be with him forever in heaven. It'll be his mercy, and we greatly look forward to it, don't we? That should be how we're building ourselves up, uh, is by, or keeping ourselves in the love of God, I'm sorry, by eagerly waiting for the Savior's return. We should be fixed on the future reward and eternal residence that we look forward to as we discussed this morning. So, my challenge to you, no matter what happens in the next few months or years of your personal life or as your life as a church body, you need to focus on keeping yourself in the love of God. You are personally responsible for yourself. Yes, it is a responsibility of a shepherd to have oversight for your souls. But you as an individual are responsible to persevere in the love of God as well. And you do that, as we saw today in Jude, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith, by being in the word of God, building yourself up with the word of God, learning the scriptures, obeying the scriptures, admonishing one another in the scriptures, regularly being part of the preaching of God's word and submitting to that and responding to it, in faith and obedience, so that you will be building yourself up. Additionally, we need to be active in praying in the Spirit. We cannot be in the love of God if we are not consistently in communication with God. And we need to constantly set our eyes upon our Savior, focus upon Him and His return. We had great turmoil in the last presidential election. There was a lot of tension, a lot of difficulty. There's still a lot of tension. There's certainly going to be a lot in the next one. The, the next president isn't the answer to our problems. Our Savior returning is the answer to our problems. That's what we need to be looking forward to. We need to pray about our government leaders, for sure, don't get me wrong. But we need to fix our eyes upon the return of our Savior and live for him and eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the great and precious promises we have in your word. Father, it's, it's a great privilege to be in your love, to be loved by you. We thank you for giving your son what an incredible demonstration of your love. Help us, Father, to faithfully be in your word, to be in constant communication with you. 
And help us, Father, certainly a theme today. Help us to take our eyes off this present world and long for our eternal home and live with our eternal home in mind. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.